You can now subscribe and save 20% off every single time you get that rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee sent straight to your door. That's right. You go on to StravaCraftCoffee.com. You choose whether you want to deliver it every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, and you'll get 20% off guaranteed, and you'll never have to worry about running out of coffee like I did this morning, tragically. Uh, You will just have it ready for you because you know that you go through a bag every two weeks, or maybe you go through a couple bags every two weeks, so you got two bags coming every two weeks. Uh, StravaCraft Coffee subscription will save you time, and it will save you money. So get in on that. Get you some rich tasty cbd infused coffee or or you can just try it once and use that code dnvr20 to get 20 percent off your first order and then you'll be like yeah this stuff's amazing and you'll subscribe and get it sent to your door every couple weeks so check out strava craft coffee and save 20 percent off every dang time off a Monday with that song and just just sets the mood correctly. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Check them out msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. Uh, 40 plus online and hybrid programs, 750 total classes, Uh, just something for everyone over there at MSU Denver. And MSU Denver students work more hours than students at any other institution. Uh, So if you're looking to keep that full-time job and keep paying those bills while earning a degree that'll help you you get to a place where you can earn some more money, uh, MSU Denver is the perfect place. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. And people are already coming in saying good morning. Good morning to everyone. Good morning, my boy, Ryan. Good to be with you. Awesome. Seeing people check in around the world. We got Frank chiming in from Mexico City. Man, it's crazy that it's week 17 right now, Ryan. We only have one more game to cover of this season. Uh, It has flown by at an alarming rate, and yet each game has felt like it lasted one to two eternities uh, it's just it's just 2020 for you. You know, you got the quarterback struggling. You've got a receiver who's open on every play and never catches the ball. Uh, it's just really, really something special. It, it is the perfect concoction to turn Broncos Twitter into a toxic wasteland after every game. Uh, but here, here uh, is not a toxic wasteland. Uh, and. We can have conversations about Drew Locke, very real conversations without, you know, throwing mud at each other uh, most of the time. Uh, And you said something before the show that actually I just got done talking to James Palmer of NFL Network about uh, talking with him about it. And you guys both said something very similar. So that made the, you know, headline topic of this show very simple. 
you both talked about, you used the word identity crisis, and I think it is the perfect word to encapsulate what Drew Locke is going through. When Drew Locke uh, was at the Senior Bowl, when we first met him, you know, he's got the swagger, he's got the arm, he's got the sidearm stuff. You know, in the in the Senior Bowl, he throws like an underhand sidearm pass going one way, back the other way to the tight end. And he loves, loves to call himself a gunslinger. Um, and it's weird because it's the one thing that everyone like hates about him this year, but he doesn't want to let that go. I think it's, you know, I believe, I think that's just the way he's been his whole life. And, and he kind of likes, he definitely likes the term gunslinger. He wants to be called a gunslinger, but as James pointed out, and, and it's not a secret to anyone, he's not good when he does that. Uh, you know, it is, you'll be hard pressed to find many, many plays on the Drew Locke NFL highlight tape where you're saying, man, he was completely off script and absolutely created a play out of thin air when nothing else was there. In fact, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You know, there's a scramble and throw on the run like you had to know a fan late in the game yesterday. Great play. But that's not really like an improviser gunslinger type of play. When I think Drew Locke being a gunslinger, I'm seeing the interception uh, in the snow in Kansas City last year where he just kind of threw it up off his back foot. I'm seeing the interception in the first quarter yesterday where he's, you know, trying to make something out of nothing. The best version of Drew Locke is not gunslinger Drew Locke. Uh, and I think that leads to, Zach, what you're talking about, where he's having a bit of an identity crisis. He is, Ryan. And I think we're seeing the identity crisis now because he he talked about this after uh, the, the Kansas City game when, you know, he played he played pretty well after having that pick uh, and, it, you know, kind of took the the. Uh, the not the opposite of a gunslinger approach the rest of the game and it kept the Broncos in it against obviously a very good Kansas City Chiefs game well then he does that again after the Carolina game uh and when it works to perfection so he's saying okay okay this is working uh you know we're one and one in these past two games our only loss coming to the defending Super Bowl champ on the road this this uh opposite of gunslinger thing may work taking the check down check down check down but then Ryan when you have three straight losses in a row and you have really bad, tough games in that stretch, you get blown out by the Bills, you lose to the Chargers uh, yesterday, then it's not as easy to swallow that pill of, okay, being this check down Charlie's great. And yesterday after the game, man, I really saw this identity crisis in one quote. And it's kind of a long one, but I think it's important that, that, that we see the whole thing. So here's what he said. He said, it's all about consistency at this position and at this level, so to say. I have to find a good balance of being level, but quite honestly, I'm going to try to be hot all the time. There's the gunslinger coming in. I understand what I can do with the football. I'm starting to see the speed, these defenses, and know this offense well enough to be able to go out and really feel confident going in there to be able to make the throws I need, see the defense, and put the ball where it needs to go. It's something I feel a lot better than I did at the beginning of the season, which is how many reps we've gotten this year in games, but it's about me finding the steady tempo of a game. I think sometimes because I'm the big play guy and put it downfield that when I do check it down here and there, it kind of comes off as me being cold. You're used to me taking deep shots and going down the field to where myself included, I need to be okay with just getting it down and extending drives. I mean, Ryan, in that quote, I'm seeing 
he understands that consistency and not going for the big play every time is good. And then he goes gunslinger route. He says, but I'm going to always try to be hot. And then just up and down again. And then he ends off with, but I understand I need to, you know, take the check downs. The most in- uh, the most worrisome thing to me there is that he said taking checkdowns comes off as him being cold. Uh, no one is saying that. So that's all in his head. Um, and, and that, and that concerns me, you know, that he thinks like, okay, uh, if I want to be Aaron Rodgers, like I, I can't take checkdowns. Like Aaron Rodgers takes great checkdowns all the time. Um, you know, a quarterback should love having to do very little work to rack up yards and, in a good offense, you'll see, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is the perfect example. You'll see them going downfield, downfield, downfield. And so then everyone's backing up off the snap. Running back leaks out. He flips it over to him, 11 yards. Uh, and that, to me, uh, is something that a quarterback should cherish. So I I hate the fact that Drew Locke thinks that taking checkdowns means he's cold. Listen, Drew. If the ball is hitting, is going into the receiver's hands, we think you're hot. We don't care where it hits, the, where on the field it got to him. We just want to see that ball going to who it's supposed to and them actually catching it. Um, so you you do have to push the ball downfield eventually. You can't just take checkdowns all the time. But I don't want Drew thinking that there's a perception or someone out there thinks that he's not doing well if he's checking the ball down. We like I can't state it clearly enough. If the pass is being complete, we like it, no matter what. Uh, and so that's concerning to me. And I, I mean, the term identity crisis couldn't be more obvious than when you listen to that quote. He he he's going back and forth. He just I think he's having a really hard time shaking what he's always wanted to be. You know, uh, if you look up to Brett Favre when you're growing up. Or heck, even John Elway had some gunslinger in him. A lot of gunslinger in him. Um, you, it, it might be really hard to just suddenly change that and be like, no, I need to be more like Drew Brees or Tom Brady. You know, like it's just different, uh, and it's really important for Drew to let that go. You know, I think this is uh, interesting in the comment here. Um, Ken said he can be a gunslinger all he wants, but forcing is totally different, in my opinion. I couldn't disagree more. I think that's what a gunslinger is. Someone who thinks I can get it anywhere I want, anytime I want, and I'm just going to do it. Uh, And they think, look, if I throw two interceptions in a game, it's fine because I'm going to throw four touchdowns. Well, Drew doesn't do that. Uh, So, you know, it's not the thing where I threw a pick trying to fit in the window. I'll just throw a 50-yard bomb on the next series uh, and get it right back. You don't see that. And then he says something along the lines at the end of the quote of, you know, you're used to seeing me throw it down the field. And I'm just thinking like, not really. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, I I don't know if I am used to that. Uh, I'm used to seeing a lot of things with Drew Locke, Uh, you know, like big plays on vertical routes is not one of them. Um, So uh, it's odd. I, I do really think he is having, a hard time grasping the fact that he might need to be different at the NFL level. And he is good enough to be that guy at the NFL level. Uh, and, and you can force the ball sometimes, but not right now. Uh, you're going to have to earn a little bit of leash uh, to start, you know, making those type of plays. You do have the arm talent for it, but he needs to earn his keep uh, by being a game manager, no gunslinger. 
uh, in week 17. Just be, just be Drew Locke, the, you know, the, 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 the simple version. Ryan, you know what happens to gunslingers in today's NFL? They get benched. You know who leads the league in interceptions along with Drew Locke? Now he's tied with him. A guy that hasn't played in many weeks, and that's Carson Wentz. Drew and Carson both have 15 interceptions. The Eagles just had someone else to turn to. Uh, now, I, I really think that the Broncos set it up that way uh, so so that Drew could could get those mistakes out of the, out of his way. But that's what happens when you're a gunslinger in today's NFL and you're averaging one interception per game like Drew is right now, uh, or even more than one interception per game since he missed uh, some games this season. That's what happens. And so he needs to realize that while John Elway had years to to get those kinks out, and so did Brett Favre, in today's NFL, you just simply don't. The, the Broncos and any team's going to move on from you if you're having 15 interceptions. And we see that with the Carson Wentz, who's getting paid so much money, not even that can keep him on the field. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. What Vic Fangio wants to see more than anything is no turnovers. And on the defensive side, Vic wants to see takeaways. Those are his biggest two things that he's been preaching this past month. And Drew, when he's interception free, these past two games, he's had a fumble each game. Uh, what he needs to do is go out there on Sunday and just not turn the ball over. Now, I think in my mind, uh, an interception is worse than a fumble because an interception, especially the one he had yesterday, that's all on him. Uh, just just throw the ball away. And Ryan, we've been seeing Drew make so many good decisions about tucking and running just to pick up three or, um, you know, running to avoid pressure and then just tossing the ball out of bounds. We've seen him do a much better job of that over the past month, but it doesn't really matter. You, you don't get kudos for it if you do that eight times in a game. But then a ninth time you throw a pick because, again, that's one per game. That's going to land you on the bench. Yeah, uh, one per game is too much. And he just, I don't know, he's got to shake this uh, because it's not going to work for him um, to continuously talk about being a gunslinger. It just it, He's not. Um, so he needs to work that out of his system. Uh, I do want to talk about the good, though, of Drew Locke yesterday. And... The more that I've looked at the game, the more impressed I've been with his field vision yesterday. I think he saw the field the best he's maybe ever seen it. Uh, I thought he was seeing things really, really clearly out there. And it should have resulted in a 300-yard passing game. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we don't have to relitigate the Jerry Judy drops over and over again. But it's not, it's not a very big leap to say, okay, Jerry Judy catches even three of these. Drew Locke has a 300-yard passing game, and obviously the one in the end zone, well, now he's got a touchdown to go with it as well. Um, he was seeing things really clearly yesterday. Even the Deshaun Hamilton throw, uh, it was there. The problem is the degree of difficulty on the throw was so high that, you know, he screwed it up. Um, so I was really impressed by that, and I actually think you saw the identity crisis play itself out right there on that play. Because he knew he was late on the throw. And I think the reason he was late on the throw is because he had that thought. Oh, you know what? All right, just take off and run. And then as it starts closing down and Chris Harris Jr. is there, he's thinking, you know what? Actually, no, let's go score. And he throws it. And it's just like, man, if you would have been more decisive, uh, 
at the very beginning of that kind of scramble and through that, Deshaun's there, he catches it, he maybe breaks a tackle and scores a touchdown. But I think because he's cycling through, it's having a negative impact on him um, to be thinking about what he should do versus what he wants to do. Uh, and these are things that can be learned in the offseason. You know, practicing, doing what you should do, and not just what you think you should do or what you want to do. Um, but I was really impressed with his field vision yesterday. Um, he got through his progressions, and he got the ball to the open guy a lot. Uh, unfortunately, the open guy a lot was was Jerry Judy. And let's see, there's 15 targets. Um, there was six catches. Is that right? Yeah. Five drops as we counted it, although I guess PFF was saying seven. I'm sticking with five. Um, so that gets you to 11. And that means there's four where he just missed him. Um, if you cut both of those things in half, Jerry Judy has the game of his life, and Drew Locke maybe has the game of his life in terms of passing yards. It's really true. And then we're talking about those two clicking. And Ryan, yesterday was just a perfect example of Drew Locke and this identity crisis because we know of the interception that he had uh, in the end zone, which was absolutely a gunslinger moment. But then for the middle of the game, he did a fantastic job of taking what was there uh, and not forcing things when they weren't there. He calmed down just like he did against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this was nearly the exact same game. In fact, ending on an interception, which I don't think either of us hold against him at the end of this game and at the end of the Kansas City game, it was pretty much the exact same thing both games. But then Ryan, what Drew Locke probably should have ended, like you said, with over 300 yards, probably could have easily ended with two touchdowns. Let's say Jerry Judy catches that late one. That could be a touchdown. Uh, and then also he was inches away from that Deshaun Hamilton one uh, that Deshaun ended up catching and then Drew ran in. Uh, so if you want to give him credit for that, I, I understand that. So two touchdowns there. Uh, and then probably also another interception uh, or two. Now I, I'm discounting the Mike Williams one. So I'm thinking two touchdowns, two interceptions, 300 yards. That stat line is pretty gunslinger right there. You know, he, he's slinging it around, making good plays, making bad plays. Uh, and just what happens if he eliminates the interceptions? That's where people see the ceiling for him. And that that's what people point to. And we saw that against Carolina just a couple of weeks ago, where instead of the two interceptions, you add that to the touchdowns. And that's why people are so excited about the potential of Drew Locke. Yeah. And uh, it's really going to, it's going to be up to Drew, whether or not he can turn those things, you know, whether or not he can let go of the idea that he wants to be a gunslinger. Um, because it sounds cool, but like, what does it get you? What, where, you know, that those guys don't really exist. I guess you can say that, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are gunslingers. They're also, uh, one of them is definitely a top 10 quarterback of all time. The other one only just needs more time to prove that he's a top 10 quarterback of all time. Uh, and so those are not the guys that you should be looking at and saying like, I want to be like that when you're a rookie. Uh, or, or sorry, in, in your first two seasons, right? Um, you got to earn, like I said, you got to earn the leash to be able to do that. And heck, if you know you have three touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game, and it's a shootout, uh, and you're making these throws, and you take one, you know that maybe you shouldn't have, and it gets tipped and intercepted, like you're not going to get crushed for that. When you're throwing an interception every single game, and you're not throwing touchdowns every single game, 
um, you don't have the leash to do that. So, And on top of that, Ryan, you, you have to know where the game is at. Is it 30 to 31 at the end of the third where it is a high scoring game and you you do have to do crazy things to keep up with Patrick Mahomes who's on the other side or something like that? Or is your defense balling out and keeping you in the game just like it was yesterday? Then, then those three points, if let's say Drew Locke doesn't throw that interception in the end zone and that interception, uh, the Broncos don't even score a touchdown there, but you get three points there. I mean, we're talking about a three-point game anyway, so obviously that's huge. Yep, you can't do it in the red zone. Uh, and one of the things that uh, James Palmer also said during our conversation is that people in Buffalo told him the biggest difference in Josh Allen uh, this year was decision-making. Um, they said, you know, his completion percentage has gone up because he's not throwing wild throws uh, trying to fit balls into spaces that aren't there that are getting knocked down. He's just taking the open stuff when it's there. He's taking off when it's not. Now, Drew Locke is not going to be the, you know, uh, the runner that Josh Allen is ever. But I think he can just learn, you know, from the progression there. You can just take off. Uh, and you know what? Then you're not getting cold because you had an, in- an incompletion or anything like that. Um, so... Man, I hope that, uh, you know, in this offseason, Drew Locke understands that. I do think that the Broncos are going to tell us that he is the starter going into next season, or he is, um, I don't know if they're going to say he's the starter, but they'll use some sort of vague language that says, like, he'll be here, we might bring in some competition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think he's going to be the quarterback next year. It's going to be up to him to change his habits during this offseason, uh, and become who he can. Ryan, one week from today, we'll be hearing from John Elway about all of this. I'm so pumped for that. But Ryan, one thing that makes me very interested, how is Drew Locke going to handle this week 17 game? Because I think being realistic with himself, he understands where he is. It's going to be really tough for him to like grab the starting spot for next year in one game. But will he try? Will he try to go out there and throw five touchdowns, no interceptions, and do the complete opposite of what we're talking about him doing is just is just managing the game, really, and taking the checkdowns? Or is he going to go out there and say, John, here's why I'm your starting quarterback next year, and try the huge game? No. Um, I think he knows that he can only do himself harm by trying to press in Week 17. Um, now, I don't know, maybe someone gets in his ear and says, Hey, you really need to show out on, on Sunday. If you want to be the starter next year, uh, I really hope no one does because I don't think that ends well for the Broncos. Um, but think about this, Zach, the last time Drew Locke played the Raiders, it might've been the worst game of his career. So he can do a lot of good by just having a decent game, uh, on Sunday, just by showing, look, similar personnel, obviously they fell apart. Um, you know, but I took that game, I turned it into this game. Uh, I learned from what I, what the mistakes I made. I learned from the fact that they like to drop a defensive lineman in coverage once in a while, et cetera, et cetera. If he just goes out there and has a solid game, and I really mean like one touchdown, zero interceptions, uh, he'll do himself a lot more good than like five touchdowns, three interceptions.
Yeah, and this would be the first time since week two when he only played a quarter or week one when he played a full game that he didn't have a turnover. So that right there would be showing progress. And what did we say, Ryan? I mean, once about a month ago is when we said, okay, it's going to be hard for Drew Locke to do anything now to completely solidify himself and sell the fan base and sell everyone in the Broncos organization that he is the guy. So what he needs to do is just take steps forward. And we've seen some steps forward. We've seen some steps back. We've seen him stay the same. And what he needs to end on is at least some encouraging note to, to show John Elway, whoever is going to be in his corner next year or this offseason, that, okay, look, we're, we're seeing progress. If we see another step back, then people who were with you, Ryan, yesterday and, and saw that he was you know about even, they may convince themselves, okay, well, actually, week 16, he took a little step back because of how big of a step back he took in week 17. And that's not where Drew wants to be going into the offseason. Yep. Some good news here from Steven. Our guy says, I just subscribed. Couldn't get the shirt I wanted, so I had to go with the Avalanche Kale McCarr shirt, LOL. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. Right on, Steven. Love to hear it. Uh, Awesome, awesome stuff from Steven. Zach, last thing I want to say here. Some other good news. Jerry Judy didn't get on Twitter last night. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> no new tweets, no new re- replies, not even any new likes. He I don't think he opened the app. You know what? He he's checking down right now. He's not trying to be a gunslinger on Twitter. He's he he's realizing the safe play is just to take a step back and take the easy thing, which is just not doing anything. Just don't tweet. No, <laughs> just, just a safe, uh, a safe bet there. You know, you can't have bad tweets if you don't have any tweets. Um, the opposite of how I, I'm more of a gunslinger when it comes to Twitter. Uh, it's gotten me in trouble before. Well, uh, this is like 1970s. You know, this is this is the 1970s of the NFL when it comes to Twitter. This this thing's still new. We can be doing that. That's true. Yeah, I uh, d- do as I say, not as I do, Jerry Judy. Um, I want one other thing on Jerry whenever you watch. Everything he he's doing right now seems unconfident. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than it kind of looks like he's playing on ice skates. Like now he's putting other guys on ice skates. And so his routes are really crisp. Something about when he gets the ball, he just it looks like a guy who you found on the street and you were just like, oh my God, this guy has the most incredible abilities. Like I'm pretty sure we could put him into an NFL game this week and he could, he, he could play. And like the route running is just off the charts. As soon as he gets the ball, it's like, he's never seen a football before. Like when he catches it, it's awkward. When he's running with it, it's awkward. There's one time where he was like hugging the ball. I don't know what's going on. I just think he's like off right now. Yeah, he, uh, he needs a season to end more than anyone else because we know he's a good football player. He doesn't need uh, another game in Week 17 to show us that that he can play. We know he can, but he just needs to get away and totally clear his mind so that he isn't. Because, Ryan, I totally agree with you. He doesn't look like a first-round pick out there when he gets the ball in his hand. He looks like, you know, this is his, his second year playing football. It's really odd. I don't know how to describe it other than, like, without the ball – He's like the most crisp player on the field. As soon as he gets the ball, he looks like he's on ice skates trying to play football. Um, it's it's unbelievably odd. Um, but I think you're right. Just get away, you know, take a mental break. Maybe maybe not this week, but like 
starting next week, like don't hit, don't even hit the jugs machine. Don't play catch for like two weeks, uh, at least maybe a month. Go on vacation. Go see, you know, the new house that you bought your mom. Wh- whatever. Just stay away from football for a little bit. It, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose out on your off season if you if you take a month away from the game, and then come back and work harder than you've ever worked before. Uh, and you know, we we see all the uh, the route running videos. I want to see a video of just jugs machine all day, no routes. <laughs> uh, we, we've got the routes part down. Um, just you know, maybe Drew Locke is just throwing a hundred passes a day to Jerry Judy, uh, and you know, until they or, or every time they drop, they have to start over. They have to uh, they have to complete a hundred in a row. Like that's the type of stuff I want to see. Um, I know Jerry Judy has elite potential. There is not one. I, I'm not kidding, Zach. Not one percent of me thinks that Jerry Judy is a bust. Not one percent. Um, it's just he's got to he's got to get it figured out mentally, and I don't think that's that difficult of a thing to do. He's very young. He's going through a lot. He's drinking from a fire hose when it comes to learning an NFL offense. He is pressing because he's trying to prove his doubters wrong. Um, he's pressing because he ran his mouth on social media. Uh, he is, you know, understanding the physicality of the NFL game. He's a rookie. He's a kid. He's never lost like this before. There's so much on his plate right now. Um, and I, I really do think a fresh start, a clean slate, a new season, a season in which hopefully he doesn't have to be the number one option out there. And he gets to go up against number two corners and put them on skates even worse. So I'm not worried about Jerry Judy at all in terms of him being a bust. But there are steps that have to be taken uh, to, to, figure, to, to just figure everything out. And on top of all of that, Ryan, this has probably been the most draining physically and mentally year of his life. We hear it from rookies all the time. There's not, there's no question why there's a rookie wall in week 12. And it's not just because of the physical part of typically a college season is about 12, 12 weeks and, and, and NFL 14 rookies. if you go to Alabama. <laughs> exactly. And they're not used to playing that long. But also, Ryan, there was no offseason for him. You know, he, he played in January and in college, and then it was all about the combine. Then it was a combine. Then it was a draft. Uh, and then it was, okay, how do I how do I stay in shape and integrate in OTAs while I don't actually get to go to Denver right now? And then training camp hit. So uh, this is something where he's been on the grind for two straight years. Just taking a step back is okay for him right now at the beginning of this offseason. That's so true. You know, maybe that's more about the rookie wall. Not the amount of games you play, but the fact that the, the season never ends. Um, your season, you know, you you finish your college season, you instantly go with some specialist trainer, uh, trying to shave time off your forty, trying to you know do everything that you need to do to get ready for the combine. Then you go to the combine, then you come through. It's just like, I mentally he hasn't had a break, not just physically. Uh, mentally he hasn't had a break and maybe that's why he's hitting a little bit of a mental wall right now Um, I think he might just be overwhelmed these guys are human yeah exactly and we we saw that yesterday that Jerry Judy is human exactly all right well we are human um, and I guess that's a good thing we are also going to wrap up this uh, segment if you're watching on YouTube hit us with a thumbs up 
Uh, we will finish the podcast on the podcast side of things. If you want to listen to that, you can find us anywhere that you download podcasts. Uh, we get to all of the questions from our subscribers, just like our new friend who just joined. So, uh, Steven is his name. Um, so, head over there, listen to the podcast. But if you want to see us live, we will be back live on Wednesday morning. So, we'll see you then. All right, before we move on, a shout out to the GOAT. Breckenridge Brewery, always there for you in times of need and in times of celebration. And I guess for forever, for most people right now, it's time time of need uh, as the Broncos have been a mess all season. But the season's almost over, so maybe that's cause for celebration. Or maybe you want to have your own personal New Year's Eve party. No matter what, Breck Brew is the one to go to uh, try out all of their beers. Whatever your favorite beer is, Breck Brew has a damn good one. Probably your new favorite, so check it out. Guys, also make sure to check out our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. They have so much going on with basketball now in full swing and football playoffs just around the corner. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is the place to go to get in on all the action. Heck, you want to do some live betting, some prop betting on tonight's game? Well, DraftKings is your place to go for that. And guys, they've got can't-miss deals left and right from specific games to weekend games. They've got it all. So make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook app now and go to the app store and download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's move on to the questions from the listeners here, Zach, and I will let you take the first one. All right, Ryan, first one coming in from Pismo Beach Broncos 07. Coaching QB still appear to me to be a glaring weakness with this team. Nothing has changed for me. My main concern here is that I don't even get mad or engaged with the games anymore. I'm past that point. Never in my life have I felt that way about this team. I'm really, really starting to worry that there is a ton of apathy with the fan base right now, and that's really sad to see. By the way, Judy, wow really at a loss for words after that performance. Yeah. Uh, I was too. <laughs> I really thought, you know, one of those ones late, he would make the catch. Uh, and I'm starting to remember, I think the other two drops that he's being credited for, I don't necessarily think those are fair, but I guess when you have all, all those other drops, you don't necessarily earn the benefit of the doubt. The, there was one, I think it was on third down. Uh, maybe a second down. I don't know, but Drew threw it behind him, and he kind of like dropped to the ground to get it, and didn't didn't hold on to it. I thought that one was on Drew, but like I said, you drop five passes in a game. Anything that comes near you, they're gonna call a drop. Yeah, seriously. And and I mean, th- there's no defending Jerry Judy's game. The only defending you can do, Ryan, is just saying that this was out of character. And like Judy said last night, this was the worst game he's ever had. He's never had a game close to this, Ryan. Uh, I mean crazy just crazy whether it's five or seven it's something you would never expect from any receiver uh at the professional level and uh it's just i don't know it's just weird uh, but it's another reason why drew lock we just saw this mace just tweeted it out drew lock was given the highest pff grade of his entire career yesterday uh a 75 grade from pff that is crazy and yet 
like we talked about in the first segment, let's just say Jerry Judy pulls down five of those. Two drops in a game is still too many. So let's just say – or he pulls down three of the five. I don't – whatever you want to do. Drew Locke's going down with, with over 300 yards, and I'm going to specifically say Jerry catches the one in the back of the end zone, which is Drew Locke's probably best throw of the day. Yeah. Um, and so it, it starts to make sense why PFF, who is the only metric that takes into account drops, uh, I don't believe QBR does. Actually, I know QBR doesn't. So QBR um, was pretty hard on him. Passer rating was really hard on him. PFF says this is why we're better. You know, this would be their case. Uh, we're using humans to look at it, and we, we know when things weren't his fault. And if one of those drops, at least one of those drops, is also the one at the very end of the game, Ryan, then we could be talking about a win and Drew Locke coming back on Justin Herbert and beating him twice this year. Yeah, that would be a fun offseason narrative. Like, oh, Drew Locke has Justin Herbert's number. Yeah, it, it really does. And Ryan, the Broncos have an opportunity this week uh, if they beat the Raiders to not get swept by any team in the division. Except for the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, except for the Chiefs. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> the Chiefs, you know, in all reality, aren't really in their division. They're in a right. totally different league. Uh, from SLC Broncos, please tell me why Bosby was basically touted as a ring of famer by most of Broncos country. There's a reason he was cut by multiple teams and most recently Arizona. There's a reason Fangio wasn't that high on him. Sheesh. Besides that point, the only bright side of this game was Locke. As sad as it is to say that, he gave the Broncos a chance to win, but Judy just had a tough, tough game. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was poking fun at the Bosby thing even back when it happened. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird version of something that we talk about all the time. You're either one thing or you're the other. You're either amazing or you're terrible. And because, you know, Devontae Bosby was better than what the Broncos threw out there in, in the Falcons game, he got elevated to amazing uh, from just average. And so we were poking fun at it all the way back then. Um, he's he's a good good depth corner on most days. <laughs> Yesterday, not one of those days. Um, I, in the same way that Jerry Judy had the yips catching the ball, he had the yips tackling. He was doing stuff that you see in like peewee football, literally turning his head and back to the player he was trying to tackle and just like throwing his body in that direction. There was one time he didn't even touch the guy trying to tackle him. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Just rely on your technique for a second here. Yeah, and Vic did not hold back after the game. Not only did he say and was unafraid to say why he was benched, but Ryan, then he came in and 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 uh, then Vic said that he begged him to come back in. I mean, that is really throwing a guy under the bus. And then he blew that opportunity as well. You know what? Uh, I'm usually not a fan of throwing players under the bus like that, but if you do that, you kind of deserve to be called out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Bosby is making the ring of fame anytime soon. Oh, man, that was rough. He's not going to be on the team. No, he's not. Very, for very long. <laughs> he's not. He's, he's going to have to be on the team this weekend, and then I think we've seen the last of 41 with, with the Broncos under Vic. I honestly don't know if he'll be here this weekend. Oh, man, that would be quite a statement if they did that with no corners. Yeah, I think they might just bring in some the next Parnell Motley. Oh, my goodness, man. You can tell Vic's ready for that. 
Yeah. Oh God. Poor, I feel bad for him, but you cannot do that. No. I mean, especially when Vic's your coach and you know, that's the most important thing is tackling. Yep. Yep. It's very, it reminds me a lot of Jerry Judy. In fact, like just mm-hmm. pressing. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Next one from Drew Locker boy. Good L men. I just wanted to take a second and talk about my, about my predictions this year. The Drew Lock 5,000 yard season didn't happen. The chiefs didn't go 16 and 0. so close on this one. My other more or my other more of forecasts, but call it a prediction might just happen. I saw them sitting at six and four and started thinking how they were six and four at this point last year. That begged the question, would they choke again? The Raiders are seven and eight. If the Broncos beat them this Sunday, they will finish seven and nine, just like last season. Thanks for letting me vent. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Broncos lose guaranteed top 10 draft pick. Uh, could get as high as five. Although when you look at the matchups, they're probably going to be at 10, uh, maybe nine because you know, the NFL always has a crazy upset every week. Um, win. You could fall out of the top 15, worse than last year. And where would they finish in the division? Do you know? Would they still finish third? I think it depends on if the Chiefs beat the Chargers next week. And I don't know if the Chiefs will be playing. I don't think the Chiefs are playing for anything. They already have the number one seed wrapped up. So it's not crazy to say the Chargers could win. What would that change? What's the Chargers record? If the Broncos win next week and the Chargers lose, they would have the same record, and I'm pretty sure that the Broncos would win the tiebreaker. And when I say win, I mean win in the bad way. Right, and so they would finish third, right? They can't finish second anymore. They can't, um, no. So that's that's not the worst worst thing in the world. Um, in fact, fourth uh, is going to have to play Trevor Lawrence next year, so who knows how that's going to work out for him. <laughs> and probably one other... Uh, well, I still think it's going to be Sam Darnold, but I was going to say, you feel, you feel better about your prediction now that they've got two under their belt. It's, I think it's foregone. Um, I mean, I can't wait to bring up those tweets, uh, that people were sending at me. People were like attacking me for that take, not just like a disagreement. Like, are you serious? You're an idiot. Like, all right, well, let's wait and see. I, I mean, they still could draft a quarterback. I don't think it's the smartest thing for their organization, but I think they still could. Um, anyways, it's the Raiders. Wow. Ultimate chokers. Holy cow. Yeah, that, that was a great call uh, by Drew Lockerboy a couple of weeks ago. Fireable offense in most circles. What's happened to them in the last two years? Yeah, absolutely. Unless you have seven years, $70 million left on a contract. <laughs> yeah, although John Gruden did say, Shortly after the contract, like if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to make them pay me all that money. Do you think he's going to do that after this year, though? I think that he has an incredible bargaining chip, um, you know, where they say like, okay, well, will you you accept the buyout? And he can just say like, no, I want another year. Now, if he ever gets sick of it, then he can say, all right, all right, I'll take 10 million for the, the last five years on the contract or whatever. Right. Yep. I'll, I'll get a big payout right now. Then I'll go back to ESPN and get paid a ton of money there too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he is set up, man. He I wish is. I was like considered elite at two completely different jobs <laughs> in the sports industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, from Bronco in SF. I'm not worried about JJ. The yips happen. Even if next week he has a bad day, the off season will give him time to flush his system. I'm more impressed with the potential. 
For Drew, I'm still worried about his accuracy. The pick, the missed throws to J.J. Deep, and Hamilton on the last drive. The throw over the middle where J.J. had to completely turn around rather than run to the house. The list of inaccurate throws is honestly too long to comment. I just don't know if it's something that can be brought to a level it needs to be. In my experience, accuracy is a fairly stable trait. As someone who comes from a baseball background, it makes me think of the hundreds of guys who throw 100 miles per hour but just can't make it in the bigs. Um, to me, when his footwork is good, his accuracy is good. Uh, you know, that's simplifying it a lot. But in general, and because of that, I think that he can kind of make that work. I think that he can be, he can improve in, in his accuracy. Um, but I, I'm with you. I actually thought uh, PFF was going to knock him for that because he had several completions where the ball wasn't in the right place. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest question uh, of him coming out in, in these past two years, why people thought he was going to drop to the second round and, and why people still weren't sold on him after he went four and one was that accuracy. So I understand that it would be an issue for someone still. Zach, I have determined the best thing that can happen in week 17 for the Broncos. Uh, Drew lock balls and they lose. I put a lot of thought into this and I've created an incredible formula. Broncos uh, lose 47 to 46. But how do they give up 47 points? All on specialty. <laughs> Tom McMahon just shouldn't even, he should just walk straight to his car then. Yes, exactly. They actually have someone go to Broncos headquarters, pack up his things for him during the game, <laughs> present them to him. After. Because look, Nothing's changing on the coaching staff other than Tom McMahon. So you don't want to see like Vic Fangio have a terrible game where they give up 47 points. Um, you just want to see, uh, I don't know how you get to 47 on special teams, but I'm sure it's possible. Uh, there's like a safety from the punt team. There's all sorts of crazy stuff, but uh, defense pitches a shutout. Drew Locke puts up 46 points with the offense. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, there's a, uh, at least five return touchdowns and other calamities. How could, how could you do this to, to Mace's guy, Jacob Bobbenmoyer though? I mean, well, he's going to be looking bad out there. Yeah. He's also very replaceable. <laughs> he certainly is, <laughs> <laughs> man. I like that scenario. What are the odds on that? Um, zero. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> big tosser 66 chiming in so as i sat down to watch the game today my hope was for drew to play well in a close broncos loss of course as the fourth quarter was playing out i couldn't but help root for the dub because that's my squad that said i'm okay with jumping up three spots in the draft after today with a shot at a top six or seven pick still a lot of people wouldn't agree with me but today i really I really saw how Drew has progressed over the course of the season. He is passing my eye test right now, and without a total meltdown regression next week, I'm on board with running it back with him. The biggest issue I had with him, he seemed to have cleaned up, his first read being covered, so his next instinct being to bail to the right and start rolling out. I've noticed him trusting the pocket and stepping up instead of bailing right all the time, and that alone has made him look like a real NFL QB. And when, when the dude stays in the pocket and plants and throws, he delivers some strikes he has the arm to use the middle of the field and even the broadcast today pointed out those intermediate in breaking routes are his jam i'm so encouraged by his recent 
recent play from the pocket. And really in the last four games, his only two interceptions, I'm not counting the final desperation pass against the Chiefs and also today, were him rolling left and making a poor decision. I'm not as concerned by that as I'm happy with his newfound pocket presence. Just my opinion, but anybody watching with an open mind about Drew should be able to see the development. I agree with everything you said there. Um, to me yesterday, he looked as comfortable on an NFL field as I've seen him, um, ever. Uh, I guess I, in that Texans game last year, he was feeling himself something fierce. Um, so that was a little different, (laughs) but yesterday he just looked, he was doing all the things that you normally see quarterbacks do on Sunday. And you're like, man, when's the last time I saw the Broncos quarterback do that? The little things, like you said, feeling the pressure from the outside, stepping up, getting to the line of scrimmage, kind of looking around, uh, you know, giving himself time to see the field before deciding to take off or deciding to unleash a throw. I thought he really, you know, he made that one bad mistake uh, when he was just having a full, you know, when he went full identity crisis on one play. But I thought he really looked like an NFL quarterback yesterday. Yeah, he, there's no question that he looked a lot more comfortable. And we've kind of seen that progress. So we, I want to see that again. A lot of this final game is going to be the eye test as well, Ryan. Yep, from Sweet. Hey, guys, I think my theory aligns with what you guys were saying. I personally think that what may have happened is that either Pat Shermer or Drew and Jerry said that since we're out of the playoff hunt, these last two games are going to be dedicated to getting the chemistry down in real game action. What do you guys think? Also, did you guys get a chance to hear what J.J. Watt said in his postgame press conference? What are your thoughts? Did you, Zach? I did. Did you? No, man. It was, uh, it, it was awesome. I think the question was something along the lines of, uh, well, how do you get the guys in your teammates to play hard being four and 11 in week 17? And he just said how it's all about the fans and how he feels so bad for the fans. He feels more bad for the fans than anyone for this season. And how, if you can't being paid so much money, go out there and give it your all and practice this week, every single bench press that you do. And then on the game or on the game field, you should not be here. And man, it, it was a really cool answer that had so much emotion behind it. And, and that is a player getting it a hundred percent because Ryan, they, these players don't make a hundred thousand dollars, $500,000 It's $17 million a year. If it weren't for these fans. And while at the end of the day, I think most of these players really, really, really do get hurt when they lose and they love winning. And, and that's a big reason why they do it. That that's all fans do it for because there is no money involved for them. Uh, so it was, it was a very cool answer. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Uh, and, it, it, you know, sometimes I think the players need a little perspective on that, uh, that it is, you know, it, it is the fans who enable you to play this game for a living and a quite fantastic living at that. Um, and so you got to understand their frustrations. You got to understand their upsetness. Now, at the same time, fans, there's nothing, and I truly mean nothing, that can be gained from you tweeting at Jerry Judy, you suck, you're an ass. Like it's the dumbest thing ever. Uh, And it's wrong. Like it, it makes you a worse person. Yeah, straight it's, up it, it's mean and it, it's cyberbullying. it a hundred percent is so everyone can be better um <clears throat> but i do think that uh you know to jj watt's point that is getting it a hundred percent uh and sometimes you do wish the players understood that a little better yeah the same way you sometimes wish the fans understood the players were human a little better 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Man, it's going to be interesting to see if JJ Watts on the Texans next year. Wow. That would be uh, quite the addition for someone if he's not. How about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh my God. <laughs> At least Ben's washed. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Next one coming in from Hawkeye Bronco. Hello, gents. I'll start by saying that I'm in no way out on Judy and think it would be a very productive player for the Broncos. I do wonder, with knowing what we do know about this rookie year's wide receiver class, do you think the choice should have been Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb? Or would you stick with the upside and promise of Judy? Hopefully he writes the ship this week and gets into the offseason the right way with confidence. Thanks for the pod. Go Broncos and go DNVR. I don't know if it's fair to make these comparisons of like, uh, especially Justin Jefferson. Um, now we, everyone liked Justin Jefferson, although we did think he was in the second tier, probably wrong about that. Um, his numbers are insane and he's been awesome, but he plays on a competent football team. And that's a, a huge, huge, you know, buoy to a, what a player is going to look like. Uh, they have a great running game and Kirk Cousins is a really good game manager. Uh, and he gets him the ball in the right place when he's open. So I don't know if it's fair to do that quite yet. Um, but obviously if you're just going off numbers, like Justin Jefferson would have gone to the Raiders. Yeah, right. I exactly. And it, it's, it's really hard to look at what Justin Jefferson has done. One of the best rookie seasons of all time from a wide receiver and say that you would stick with any wide receiver, just like you said, not just Jerry Judy, but Henry Ruggs or even CD lamb. The Cowboys should have drafted Justin Jefferson with the production he's having. So uh, I agree. It, it's, it's tough. Of course you have to say Justin Jefferson, but it is hard to look at those situations. And Ryan, speaking of draft picks, some huge news in the NFL right now. And it kind of relates to drew Locke. Dwayne Haskins has been released by the Washington football team. Holy cow. What a terrible week for him. And of course, Dwayne Haskins, how this relates to Drew Locke. He was picked ahead of Drew Locke. So I know Drew Locke's having some struggles up and downs this season, but the Broncos know they at least got the better quarterback and especially the way better value since Haskins was picked at 15. Man, I never saw this coming when he was at Ohio State. I liked Dwayne Haskins, the player at Ohio State, a lot. He was super accurate, uh, which you know is something obviously you value when you see these young quarterbacks. And when you go back and look at the guys who have been hitting these last few years, you know unequivocally, it's the it's the accuracy guys. Um, now, of course, you get your Josh Allen who pops up here and there, and hopefully Drew Locke joins that uh, class next year. But I didn't see the off the field crap like it started with the taking a selfie on the sideline during the game that was the first like head scratching you're a rookie what the hell are you doing moment yeah and it has just gotten worse um uh, you know and he clearly doesn't have a future there so it, it makes sense um ron rivera i mean probably is just like what are we doing here i don't i don't like the kid um he's making a, a mockery of all this and he's bad so I, i'm I, let's get rid of him so ryan a question for you now he hits waivers should the broncos submit a waiver claim for Dwayne haskins and bring him in and have him here for next year to compete with drew lock i just don't think i think the uh, the the red flags of the off the field stuff is just too much 
Yeah. And for me, I just haven't seen really anything on the field that would make me say, yeah, this is the hedge that you want for the Broncos. I think he needs to be somewhere with a lot of football and off the field rehab. Uh, I think he needs a place where, you know, there, there's a lot of stability at that quarterback position ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, you always just go back to the Patriots, right? <laughs> right. Whenever someone needs stability. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, um, the Buccaneers lost their um, little project quarterback in Josh Rosen. So maybe he goes goes there. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some place that makes a lot of sense for him to go. Yeah, but man, cut in week 16 as a former first round pick. Didn't even make it through two full years. Paxton Lynch was a Bronco <laughs> longer than, than Dwayne Haskins was a member of the football team incredible one he had one more game on him yeah and then the whole off season yeah too. yeah <laughs> wow what i mean two busts right there two of the biggest busts in uh nfl history especially in recent history and we talked about this before the show um <laughs> Dwayne haskins actually played more games uh than paxton lynch did so he gets that nod but he's also picked six spots higher in the draft the bigger bust question is kind of a difficult one. Yeah, it, it really is. And just how much national embarrassment, too, is uh, there There wasn't national embarrassment with Paxton Lynch from, you know, he was doing things that were catching national attention. Media. No, the, the only embarrassment was just that he was such a bad draft pick. Dwayne Haskins also had other things that went along with him. Yeah. Next one coming in from Low Country Bronco. Morning, boys. Couple things. One, I think Cortland Sutton had a lot to do with Drew's four and one start last season. He could be the key to Drew getting on track next season, other than continuity. This is going to be an interesting offseason. Two, Trev is going to the Jags and they have a lot of draft picks. Kind of exciting to watch that unfold, especially for RK. This is me talking about, especially for RK, seeing what Visca can do with Trev. Boy, that stock just went up. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> and he had a nice little touchdown catch yesterday. So yes, he did. Well. A big one, right? Uh, I mean, big in the sense that it was long on the field, just uh, not big because they were getting blown out 41 <laughs> to 10 at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Three, as I mentioned before on here, I'm a strength and conditioning coach and human performance grad student at Liberty University. So go Flames and win against number 12 Coastal. Keep an eye out from Malik Willis. We will. Four, at 6 a.m. the 27th of December, my brother and his wife had their first child, a baby girl named Maggie. Proud new uncle here. Looking forward to coasting into the offseason with you, fellas. Merry Christmas to you all, Low Country Bronco. Well, congratulations to you and your family, Low Country Bronco. Thanks for checking in. And, man, go uh, go Liberty. And, Ryan, speaking of bowls, go, uh, go see you tomorrow night. Oh, I'm worried. I'm worried. Uh, I, I only hope that, you know, the length of time they had between this game gave them an opportunity to figure out their run fits because it was clear that once Nate Landman was off the field, they had no idea how to fit the run. Uh, uh, and so fingers crossed that they figured it out uh, over this little break. Man, it's going to be a good opportunity for them to get a lot of national attention going up against Texas. Yep. It's a good opportunity as long as you play well. <laughs> All right. Exactly. 
<laughs> Next one from Broncos only. Dang it, dudes. What a crappy year. What do we value as a fan base? Every fan base values championships. I'd like Broncos country to value loyalty too. Can the team benefit in the long run by showing patience to players and coaches? Take Drew Locke in particular. If the Broncos give him another year to develop and didn't even bring in a hedge quarterback, and then he made strides in 2021 and emerged as a franchise quarterback, would he value that when it came to negotiate his new contract? Would he care if the fans have been supportive during his struggles as opposed to harshly critical. Well, I appreciate you guys. Sorry about my comment last week when I questioned the purpose of the Darren Williams good guy award Broncos only. What do you think, Zach? Nope, not at all. <laughs> not at all. You know why Patrick Mahomes signed a 10 year deal because it was worth $500 million. Uh, that's what it comes down to, especially, especially, especially when we're talking about the quarterback plate. Now, you know what? If Paxton Lynch maybe turned it around or something, I mean, when it was that bad, maybe. Um, but no, it, it Drew would not care or be offended by some people questioning him when he was struggling. When it comes down three years down the line, that he's up for a mega contract. Yeah, these guys have done this for a long time. They know when you win, they love you. When you lose, they hate you, and it goes for everywhere. Um, you know, if Paxton or sorry, Paxton, I wish he was Paxton Lynch. If Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, somehow went two and 13 next season playing the whole season, they turn on him real quick over there. Yes, they would. They certainly would. You're exactly Especially right. when he's getting paid all that money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, you know, quarterback, especially knows, especially one who's came from a place where he struggled. I'm sure he got plenty of hate. Uh, from Missouri fans when they weren't winning. So I'm sure. Yep, exactly. Yep. Next one from Omaha. Hey, dudes. Correct me if I'm mistaken, but didn't Cortland Sutton also drop a bunch of passes as a rookie? And then in year two, after spending an offseason prioritizing this, did he not catch absolutely everything thrown his way? I think Jerry will be just fine. Uh, a little bit of revisionist history here. He definitely struggled with drops as a rookie and improved as a second year player, but he still had a little bit of a drop issue. Yeah, they, ex exactly. And now it's not highlighted as much. Well, because he didn't have a five to seven drop game, uh, but also because in, in his second year, he really took off as a player. And if that's something Jerry Judy does next year, and he's a thousand yard receiver, well, Ryan, we're going to be okay. And fans are going to be okay with a couple of drops. So, I mean, maybe not Denver fans. They're never okay with drops, but you know, when you take a step back and look at it, they'll be okay. If, if Jerry didn't have four catches go in the, in the last four games going into yesterday, let's say he had, 20 catches uh, for 375 yards, people would be a lot easier on him about that game. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf. Now he might've been overtaken by Judy uh, yesterday. I honestly don't know. Like, can you drop that many balls in a game that can severely impact these type of things? But I believe going into yesterday, DK Metcalf led the league in drop rate guys. Would Go you ahead. would you take Jerry or would you take DK Metcalf right now, Ryan? In a heartbeat. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he might actually be better than the Broncos number 14. Um, so he you know who who had the uh most recent record for drops in a game? It was Mike Evans. He happened to be pretty darn good too. So good players drop passes. Um, uh, especially when you get the ball at a high volume. You know, 15 targets. That's only elite receivers get 15 targets in a game. Um, 
So you never should drop five or seven or whatever it was. Um, but good players drop passes. Yeah. And, and, uh, and do you know, Drew, that's what Drew told Jerry after the game. He said, you're elite. That's why you had those many opportunities and you wouldn't be having this type of day. If you weren't one of the most talented players I've ever been around. It, it was a great message from Drew. Yeah. That's leadership. Yep. It really was Ryan, man. He has, he has all the intangibles you need. Got to put it all together. Swansea Bronco. Hey guys, season greeting to all of you. I'm looking ahead to the off season uh, to draw a line under this crazy season. Uh, if we do move on from Vaughn, how much capital would he offer in draft trade talks? Also, do we offload Juwan James for salary cap reasons and look to bring in someone cheaper? Cheers guys. Not as much as you want to the answer. Your first question. Uh, could you trade Vaughn for draft capital? I don't even want to say it because I think it's disrespectful, but it's, it's not high. Uh, a guy coming off a single-digit sack season, a guy following that up being injured for a season, and significantly into his 30s at this point. Um, that's not a very tradable asset. Oh, and not to mention the massive contract. Ryan, I'm, I don't want to be disrespectful, but is there any trade, trade assets for him? Because yes. we're not talking about uh, Jarrell Casey, where he's making thirteen million. We're talking about Von Miller, who's making twenty-four million dollars next year. And one of the one of the great things about his contract now is that you can you can cut him and save eighteen million dollars and only have four million dollars of dead money. Well, no one's going to trade for him and then cut him because then he's going to be able to negotiate with anyone, uh, at not just that team. So, I mean. If there is, we're talking, we're talking day three pick. Yes. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you get a team who's has a, you know, they're late in the draft and they think we are one good pass rusher away from winning a championship that overpays a little bit. Um, that's what, that's the only thing I can really see. And they also have to have cap space. So it's a, you know, you start adding these things up. There's a very narrow window there. Um, what I think will happen is, Vaughn will take a pay cut to come back. Um, I think so too. Do they offload Juwan James for salary cap reasons? Well, Zach, they can't. <laughs> nope, they can't. He's so, locked in for next year. He will be a Bronco unless he retires. Yep. <laughs> yep. And maybe he says this year was pretty darn good. I want to start my retirement right now. Thanks to uh, 2019 when I got paid $15 million. Look, I, I, I've said this before. Social media is not always a reflection of real life, but it doesn't feel like he even like watches the games or is like interested. Like, and again, that is me projecting. He might be watching intently screaming at the television and texting his teammates throughout the game. I just don't get that impression. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree. From Brian, excited to see how JJ bounces back from this. What I'm not excited for is paying Simmons. Every game I get closer to not wanting him back. How would you guys feel about a one-for-one -one swap of Marcus May for Simmons? Let Simmons chase that 15 mil a year contract somewhere else. And I imagine the lack of success the Jets have had with Marcus May won't demand a top contract. Thoughts? Man, I hate this situation. Because I love Justin Simmons, the, uh, the guy. Um, he has done everything you could ever ask from a player everywhere 
on the practice field, uh, off the field, in the media, and for the most part, on the field. He is a very, very good safety. But I didn't say a word specifically. Elite. I don't think he's elite. I don't want to say that. I want him to be elite. I don't think he's shown that he's elite. And to keep him around, you're going to have to pay him elite money. That's the way That's the way these things work. Very, very good players get elite money. It's just how it is. Because they know that they have a bargaining chip of you don't want to lose a very, very good player. Something tells me Vic Fangio isn't that worried about losing a very, very good player. He thinks he can make very, very good players pretty easily. Marcus May, a good example of someone that I think Vic Fangio would say, yeah, I can, I can work with that. Um, so I hate this, uh, but I'm with you, Brian. I, I don't know if the Broncos want to pay him that much because of the one notch. He is at full bars on everything except for just on the field play. He's like a 8.5 out of 10. I was going to say right below that 90 threshold, maybe where, where you would start talking about elite. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And what you also have to remember is Vic can turn good safeties into great safeties, great safeties into elite safeties, elite safeties into the best safeties in the league. So Vic may say, although I really want Justin Simmons at $10 million, John, we know we're not going to get him at $10 million per year. He's going to be $15 million. So honestly, wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos go second round safety or, you know, a $4 million, $5 million safety. Maybe May is going to be that price. And then they get him to play at a $10 million safety. And they are losing value when it comes to on the field or they're losing performance when it comes on the field, but the value is just much better. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just need traits in a safety like speed uh, or, you know, uh, ball skills. And, and you can really uh, work with that if you're a great coach. So this one's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's like letting go of the only three time winner in the history of the Darren Williams good guy award is just like such a tough look. Um, but it could happen. And there's no question, Ryan, that, Justin Simmons price tag has only gone up last year and the Broncos weren't willing to meet him where he wanted it to be this year. And it's only going to go up. So is John Elway, did Justin Simmons do enough this year on the field, off the field uh, as a whole package to say, I'm worth $3 million more than you thought of me last year? No. Then yeah, it's, it's not good. I don't think this is going to be as easy as Broncos fans hope. It's not. And if I had to predict it now, I, I think it doesn't end in Justin Simmons being a Bronco long-term. So maybe uh, another franchise tag year, they, they get him at the cheaper franchise tag price and then just say, we're letting you go after, or is he not (sighs) even get that? I don't know. Don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing to follow all off season. What I will say is someone somewhere will be willing to pay him that money. Uh, you know, it, it's always easier to imagine a player reaching a next level. You know, you can talk yourself into, oh, well, the Broncos were bad. So all he needs to do is come here to our very confident defensive scheme and, you know, and he'll play great. It, it's not accurate, but someone can talk themselves into that. Um, the Broncos know exactly who Justin Simmons is. They see him every single day. And again, he is – 
everything you could ever want except for elite on the field. Yeah. And I just think that that someone somewhere is saying I I don't want to pay elite money to a player who is an elite on the field, and it's going to be ugly, and I hate it, and I, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. Yeah, well, it's, it might be, especially when it's someone like Justin, just such a good guy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, a shout out to Chevalier Mortgage. Call Mike in Virginia directly at three zero three two five seven sixty five seventy eight, or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. You'll get entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, you'll get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's really great. You know, um, everyone always says that buying a house is really, really scary until you start the process. And the start of the process is calling 303-257-6578 or visiting dnvrmortgage.com. Once you talk with someone like Mike and Virginia, you'll just say like, okay, everything's going to be okay. I am prepared for this. Or they might tell you, hey, do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be more prepared for this. But it's really important to have someone in your corner when it comes to these type of things. And, and Mike and Virginia will be in your corner. They're diehard Broncos fans, just like you. Uh, and they want to help the DNVR family because they're members of the DNVR family. So check them out, 303-257-6578, or visit dnvrmortgage.com. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Ryan, on days like this, you know, after a Broncos loss with only one game left, it's December now after Christmas and it's just, it's muggy outside. I want to be transported away to a nice golf course somewhere with a beach, maybe Pebble Beach. And that's what I can do with WGT Golf, America's top rated, well, actually the world's most popular golf game. And it's been my favorite golf game and just game straight out for a decade now. And I love WGT Golf because of how realistic it is. You get to play real courses like Beth Page Black, St. Andrews, and of course, Pebble Beach as well. And I just love being able to be transported. And you, you can play for five minutes, uh, around in five minutes, or you can spend hours on WGT golf and I want you to play with us at the DNVR community. So how do you do that? We'll go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT golf, go into the country club section and search for DNVR four. that's DNVR and the number four next to it to join our series of country clubs. We have almost a thousand members in their plan and you can get in on all of our tournaments that we offer. It's so much fun, realistic, and I just love how you can play it anywhere on on your phone as well. So make sure to check us out at dnvrgolf.com and then go to dnvr4 in the country club section and join us. From Free Philip Lindsay, as Bronco and SF said, quote, the list of inaccurate throws is honestly too long for this comment. Another quote, 13 interceptions this season is just not acceptable. That's Zach Stevens three weeks ago. Drew added two more interceptions today. It should really be one, but he also should have had three last week. I've lately mostly accepted and been mostly fine with the idea that Drew Locke should be the probable starter next year, but I'm reevaluating. We might have a top 10 pick. Draft a quarterback. Like I said last week in analysis, uh, in analysis, first round pick has a better chance of being good than being bad. Statistically, you guys say teams make offense look easy in today's NFL. We're tired of losing seasons. Drew's interceptions are unacceptable. This stuff points to getting another quarterback who could seriously be the starter. It's never been easier to find good quarterback play by just drafting a quarterback. Again, there's a reason most of the quarterbacks coming out of the draft are good, and almost all of them are playing better than Drew. Very different, but fair nonetheless. Uh, 
draft a first-round quarterback, if the optics of that means they're the starter and you've given up on Drew, then that's that. It sounds rough, but Drew would have himself to blame. Many guys don't even get 18 games in the NFL to prove they're a starter. Besides, QBs are drafted in the first round and don't play immediately anyway. I don't think it's a death sentence for Drew anyway. If Drew busts, we have no quarterbacks. So let's have two serious options at quarterback in 2021. Well, if you have two serious options because one of them is a first-round pick, you have one serious option, and that would be the new guy that you brought in. And, Ryan, I think my number one, me personally, my number one thing for a quarterback this year would be to draft a first-round quarterback because of just how exciting that is and the ceiling and the ceiling that you need in this AFC West with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. That's what I would do. Anytime I think of that, I think I'm living in in la la land that I'm just in a fantasy because I just do not see John Elway going that route. I absolutely do not see him saying, uh, I want to develop another quarterback and Vic saying pretty much on a, on another contract year next year. You know what? I would love to go through the ups and downs of a young quarterback being in, in my third year as the head coach of the Broncos. I don't see that happening at all. So as much as I think that's what I would want to see, and that's what I would do if I was GM, with John Elway truly going into a contract year next year, I don't see that being the route they go. Yeah, it reminds me of last year when we had an off-season pod. The headline was like something about a a quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Justin Herbert and how fun that would have been. (laughs) And we were right. That would have been really fun. Um, But I don't see it either. it just doesn't add up with like what we've been talking about with these, with this team in the future. Um, we could be wrong that John Elway, like I could totally see John Elway being in love with Mac Jones. Uh, I don't know why it just feels like that would be a thing that could happen. Um, and maybe that happens. Maybe they get him in the second round, uh, you know, because there's not as many quarterback desperate teams after the first three quarterbacks go off the board or whatever it is. Um, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time imagining the Broncos going to the well uh, in the draft. Could I yeah. see a Matthew Stafford trade? Absolutely. Uh, just don't know if he's going to be available. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Next one from Drew Lockerboy. Double comment. Quick stat for you. Brandon Allen, five touchdowns, two interceptions, passer rating 97, 877 yards, one win, three losses. Just feels like they didn't need to bring in someone different to back lock up. What say you? Let me ask you this, Zach. You got to start a game tomorrow. Brandon Allen or Jeff Driscoll? Brandon Allen. (laughs) So easy. (laughs) So easy. Um, Mace, you know, I wish Mace was here because he was the, he was the biggest Brandon Allen hater, I think on the panel here. Um, He was very adamant that you had to get someone different. Now he also was very adamant when the Broncos got Jeff Driscoll, that that was a bad decision. So uh, he, you know, he wasn't wrong about that either. Brandon Allen, man, I yelled this out loud yesterday watching watching their game i said brandon allen is balling right now like he was throwing strikes all over the field it was blowing my mind uh and he's been impressive he also has an incredible career um numbers against the spread (laughs) yes he does and yeah i mean and he would have been cheap too uh and so man jeff driscoll wouldn't have been your most expensive quarterback on the roster this year yep and brett rippon is a fine backup as well. Um, so really Jeff Driscoll, 
bigger waste of money than Mark Barron and Theo Riddick combined. Oh my goodness. Holy cow. That is wild. Next one from asking for a friend. How many wins are Vaughn Sutton, Casey and Okuebunam worth? At least two. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think so. I just think with the way really with, with the quarterback play this year and not just drew, but the other guys that have played, I don't think this team is a playoff team this year with those guys. I think they're, I think they're a 500 team this year. Yeah. So if they had two more wins right now, seven uh, and eight, they'd be playing for eight and eight. Maybe I think those, those guys probably get them to nine and seven. Okay. And, and that's fair. Two to three wins right there. Yep. Calocula. How about bringing in a vet wide receiver to mentor these young wide receivers like Vera did with John, uh, with Vaughn? Judy seems aimless. Love the count. You know what? Uh, that was brought up in the comment section of the live, and I like it. Um, who? Who's the guy? Because you're kind of crowded in that room right now. Now, I don't know if Tim Patrick will be back next year, so um, that might open up a spot. But Demarius Thomas is probably too far down the road. Um is there someone that's going to be available out there that you, you can think of that you'd want to bring in? Well, I've got an idea. What about a guy named Cortland Sutton? Yeah, not quite the same, but he is, you know, it'll be a fourth year player next year. Right. Yeah. And I, that's who I think the Broncos are going to look at and point to and say, this is the vet uh, presence that we need in this room right now. Although I would definitely be okay uh, with, with a true vet presence coming in uh, from the outside to, to help these guys. I just, like you said, Ryan, where's the spot going to be? I mean, we know that they like Deshaun Hamilton, although he's certainly not a lock to make the roster. Tim Patrick is an RFA next year, so they could bring him back for a second-round tender, $3.5 million, uh, and I think that's probably the route they would go instead of bringing someone in from the outside. Yeah, don't forget Deontay Spencer, although um, he probably won't have his uh, best table pounder in Tom McMahon. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how Zach Azani feels about him. Um, so it's crowded in there. Um, bringing in a guy just to be a coach. How about this? Demarius Thomas, assistant wide receiver coach. Oh, and not not like a player coach. Right, no, just – just comes in to you know uh stand in there with zach azani and talk to with talk the guys through drills and whatnot now are we talking like demarcus Ware type of guy where he's in here once every two weeks and then he's also busy visiting with the patriots or some other team he was on no i don't think you like hand him a key card to the facility and say like hey just show up whenever you want <laughs> um we'll pay you for it um I think it's just, it's like a permanent thing. You know, maybe DT wants to get into coaching and he does like a little internship with Zach Azani. I would love it. That would, that would be fantastic because he'd be able to relate to these guys as well. hundred percent. And he was so good, man. When it came to mentoring guys, I'll never forget Bryce Bobo, former CU receiver shows up first, you know, for his first training camp practice, he's swimming out there. He doesn't know where to be. And Demarius Thomas is going out of his way to tell him what to do, show him, to demonstrate the route. Like, can you imagine how calming that must have been for Bryce Bobo? Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to walk into a facility, they hand you a jersey and a pair of cleats and say, like, all right, go out there and practice. 
you don't really know people and your head is spinning all you're afraid of is screwing up and you know a multi-time thousand yard multi-time pro bowl receiver is like hey it's like this and all of a sudden i just feel like you'd probably feel like your feet were finally on the ground again Mm -hmm. um and so he was so so good with young receivers that would be awesome yeah it, it really would be i love that idea ryan Next one coming in from Big Tony. My boys, tough loss yesterday, but I'd be lying if I'm not low-key happy about it helping our draft position. Speaking of the draft, I want to know your opinions on a few guys. First, Nick Bolton, middle linebacker out of Mizzou. Obviously, in the perfect world, we'd somehow land Micah Parsons if we decided to go in direction of middle linebacker. But if not, I'd be very happy and content with grabbing Bolton. He reminds me of a lot of Devin Bush. Same undersized stature, athleticism, and great in coverage. Second, Creed Humphrey, center out of Oklahoma. I know, I know. We already spent a third-round pick on Cushenberry, who is still developing, but Humphrey has Quentin Nelson-type potential at the center position, in my opinion. Thinking about an interior offensive lineman consisting of Reisner, Humphrey, Mooty makes my mouth water. Thoughts? Mm, not happening. Um, I do I like say the dream idea. On. Yeah, I do like the idea that as for Bolton, I just haven't watched. Uh, I haven't watched yet. So I don't know. I don't want to make any judgments. I haven't even seen a single Missouri game on TV this year. Um, so I don't know anything about him other than just what I've heard. So I'm not going to speak on it. As for Parsons, I actually watched uh, during the game yesterday because that game was so boring. Um, I pulled up some Micah Parsons highlights because a lot of people were tweeting at me about him. I'm intrigued. Um, you know, Henry made a good comp. He said he's like a poor man's Isaiah Simmons. Um, and that's intriguing. Uh, I will say like much more of a pass rusher from the linebacker position, uh, than I was expecting. Usually there's a reason why the coach has the guy coming downhill so much. And I'm obviously, I'm basing a little bit of that off of what I know about Nate Landman, like, Micah Parsons has elite uh, athleticism. He's huge. He's huge and fast, but he is like, most of his highlights are sacks. Um, so I, I just, you know, I want to, I want to watch more of him uh, before I make judgment as well, but I was surprised to see how often they had him coming downhill. Isaiah Simmons was similar, but Isaiah Simmons was never branded as an inside linebacker. Yeah. I, I have, no idea what type of linebacker Vic Fangio is going to fall in love with and use a high round pick on. And I think he's, I think he's very happy with Josie jewel. I mean, he's been blown away by Josie jewel this year. And I think he's happy with Alexander Johnson as well. So I don't think that's a position where the Broncos are going to be spending premium picks on. Yeah. I don't know. I really have no, no clue. <laughs> I mean, we know that uh, he liked, um, KJ Hamler and he's from Penn state. So is Mike Parsons. So it's true. Maybe, maybe his, uh, maybe Vic's relatives will be in his ear about Parsons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from asking for a friend on Peyton's places, he interviews Raymond Barry, who shows him how he and Unitas practice bad ball drills and other passes to get on the same page with the way drew throws the ball. Would this help him and old Jerry? <laughs> um, I think that was a veiled shot there. Um, but yeah, they should practice that stuff. Uh, you know, wide receivers practice that stuff all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And Hey, this off season, if drew lock is just going to be back with the Broncos, which I really do think he will be, uh, him and Jerry got to get on the same page. So I'm down for trying anything, anything. Last one from Rob. Judy has had the drops all season, including a game changing drop in week one. 
Tua was a left-handed quarterback at Alabama. I've heard in the past wide receivers have to adjust when going from a left-handed QB to a right-handed QB because the ball spins the opposite direction. How much do you think this has to do with Judy's struggles? It seems like something that could be fixed with a lock Judy practice session in the offseason. I like uh, like Peyton Manning used to do with his wide receivers. That's a good excuse for week one. Right. Doesn't fly in week 16. Right, exactly. And I don't know if a, uh, a passing session in April is going to help with that, if an entire season in training camp didn't help with that. So I, I do like where you're coming from, Rob. But yeah, I just as Ryan said, that you can use that excuse against Tennessee, but not now. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going to fix it. I just think it's a clean slate. Like, that's the best I can say because it's not technique that's letting down jerry judy it's not anything other than just a mental circuit breaker you know is off um and uh it's unfortunate to see it was tough to watch yesterday but he's so talented that i just i really do believe in him a lot to get it figured out Ryan, it's like when your Wi-Fi goes out and uh, you, you push all of the buttons and it's still just the lights are blinking, but it's still not working. You're screaming at it, nothing. You know what it needs? It just needs to be unplugged and just stay unplugged for 15 seconds. Then you plug it back in and everything's normal. Jerry, what ne- next Monday, I don't want I don't want Jerry on the grind. I want him taking some time off, get that hard reset. Then we know he has what it takes. So right when we plug it back in, he'll be good to go. That that's, you know, what I think he should do just because he's been on the grind and the grind for two years now. Yeah. And and maybe this sounds a little over the top, but like a sports psychologist isn't the worst idea. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Because this is all mental right now. hundred percent. All right. Well, if you know, what's not all mental, what? It's all dental, Green Mountain <laughs> Dental Group. Uh, down there in Lakewood, best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. They will take care of you like family because they're part of the family. They're DNVR supporters, Denver sports, big fans. So uh, check them out uh, at Green Mountain Dental Group where it's all dental. Uh, for us, that's going to wrap it up today. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the DNVR Broncos podcast, and we will talk to you tomorrow.